right now. So we we are at the um we have finally reached the end of a sermon series entitled what? Reap, right? So we've been talking about different things and as I was um, talking this week, and I was like, man, I'm about to have to do literally four or five services in 24 hours. And I just happened to be on the phone with the right person at the right time. <laughs> and I, and I, and one of my pastor friends called me like, bro, are you about to do all these services? He said, man, I'm praying for you. And at first, because I'm like, ah, I could have did them. And I was like, man, God, I say thank you for people who can jump in and take part of the burden. I don't have to be Superman. I mean, ill, I'm sorry. I don't have to be Batman. I could just be Bruce. <laughs> Bruce Wayman today. Praise God. Batman was at Life Changers. Praise the Lord. But um, I just happened to be on the phone, and I was like, oh, man, uh, she was telling me about something else. And I was like, you know what? You can preach on Sunday. She ain't preached in a while. But on today, she coming up out of retirement today. <laughs> I'm just saying we honor everybody else to come and preach. I talk about them. I'm going to talk about mine. Hello, church. We honor everybody else. We need to honor ours, too. So if you ever get up here and you do something, I'm going to honor you, too. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, I'll talk for 30 minutes about Curry. You don't think I'm going to talk for 40 about you and you work with me every week? Just saying. So I, I really do. Um, she hailed all the way from Norwood. <laughs> Nor Come on, somebody shout, Norwood! <laughs> she said no 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 <laughs> but no seriously um we're grateful she has been literally a part of this ministry from the conception um again when the lord gave this i was about to say burden when the lord gave this <laughs> when the lord gave this vision this special gift there you go trish this special gift she was one of two people that literally from the moment the lord gave it to me she had to literally feel the burden of what the Lord had placed on me. Um, and Elder Lindsay was the other one. But they literally had to take this and carry this thing so that it can come to a reality. And then once it became a reality, had to come in and jump in the river and watch it grow. We are almost four years old. Yeah, come on, y'all. No more diapers. Look at somebody and say, no more diapers. We tired of buying diapers. In 2020, we coming about them things. No more pull-ups, none of that. Coming up out of that. You in the preschool class. Ain't no peeping in the preschool class. You go to the potty. Ain't that right, Ronnie's? Some of them not, but this one going to the potty. Hey, man, we four years old. So I am grateful. Um, literally, she does all of our... Have you guys seen our website? Revive, what's our website? I say it every week. There you go. Revival Center at Cincy.org. Go look at our website. Like, she literally has done our website. Like, it is... It looks amazing. Come on, give God praise for that. 
You know, all them fancy flyers y'all be sharing, she does them too, y'all. Like, that is amazing. And she does them because she wants to do them. We, meet, we need more people. We wanted to be a blessing to her. She didn't even ask you. We, we wanted to. We forced the blessing on her. Said, now you go take some of this because we are grateful for you. Come on. Amen. That's a, you don't find that no more. Um, yeah, so she is um, coming. She's a phenomenal teacher, preacher. Preacher, yep, you're a preacher too. Come on, shout, preach, preacher. And your Kirk Franklin voice. Preach, preach up. You know. So. <laughs> huh? Oh, man. I didn't even feel that one. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. Um, uh, she is one of the elders here at the Revival Center at Cincinnati. Uh, amen. And currently, she is overseeing our audio-visual department. So give it up to her team today. Hallelujah. All the little stuff y'all saying. Come on, stand to your feet real fast. Stand to your feet. Come on, I want you to point your hand this way. <laughs> oh, Lord. They're over here talking about shoes. <laughs> Come on here. Point your hand this way. Say, Father, Father touch, this vessel. touch this vessel. Let her say what you want her to say. Let her say what you want her to say. Now place your hands on your ears. Father, allow us to hear you. Father, open our ear gates to your word. And we give you the glory. Elder Camilla Shackelford. Father, we look to you from what's cometh our help. Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and the earth. God, I bless you and I honor you for who you are, God. So right now, take control of this atmosphere. Take control of this place, God, in the name of Jesus. God, we're looking to you to download strategy, God, concepts and keys, God, that will help us to live the kingdom life that you're calling us to live, oh God. So God, right now, we release all of our worldly desires and worldly principles, God, and download, oh God, the kingdom living, the kingdom concepts, ideologies, God, that you have given unto your people, oh God, in the name of Jesus, God. So right now, God, use me, God. What I do for you is my reasonable service. I don't take credit. I don't take accolades. I don't, I don't take anything. I don't take the glory, God. But I give you all the glory. I give you all the glory for what you have given unto me, oh God. I give it back to you, God. So right now, God, touch the people, God, that you will continue to grow them up, God, in the strength and admonition, God, that you are growing them up in, oh God. Thank you, God, for disciples of Christ, God, that are wanting to know more about you, God, and who are willing to learn more about you, God. So, God, we bless you. 
God, we honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I thought about this and I said, um, I haven't preached in like a year. The last time I preached, uh, the prophetic came so heavy. Uh, and, um, and I said, Lord, I don't like that. I don't like, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like the prophetic. I don't like that. <laughs> I said, what? Yeah, I, I didn't like that. And um, so the Lord took me on a really, really crazy journey. Because um, for a minute, after all that happened, things began to happen in my life that kind of took me on a whirlwind um, to the point where I literally stopped believing in God. And I never told anybody that. So my sea law was not for me just to take a rest. My sea law was for me to find God again. People thought I was just sitting at home on Saturdays. No, I was struggling. I was in tears. I was fighting. And um, I have a lot of mentors. And so I went to my mentors in Illinois. And... um, they really had to coach me back um, to believing again. And it's not that I didn't believe in God. I respected God. I loved God, but I couldn't do, I couldn't do church anymore. I said, this doesn't make sense. If your precepts and concepts are so plain, then why are we missing the mark every time as a church? And so I got frustrated. So then I visit another mentor. You guys, you guys know um, Pastor Ron Mabry. And I visit him, and he said, you have to teach the word. He said, you are called for this, and you have to teach the word. Many of those who are called to be teachers of the gospel begin to find out the truth and trying to look at the church and can't figure out why things are not lining up. And so they run and hide and they're quiet. And I felt myself doing the same exact thing. If you ever looked at the history of theologians and those who write commentaries and books, they're, they're kind of weird people. And they always stay away from church because they don't like church because it just doesn't look good, doesn't line up, and so I'm not going to go. And the Lord said, how are you going to teach to people if you keep running from the people? And so for the last five months, it's been a struggle to sit in church. It's been a struggle to go to church because every time I go, I'm wrestling with the enemy. Every time I'm sitting there doing slides or doing cameras, I'm wrestling with the enemy. And I, I leave service early. I'm being transparent with you all. I leave service early, not because I want to leave service, but because I get tired of fighting. And I said, Lord, I don't like the, the calling of a teacher. I study every day, hours upon hours a day, 
And I said, Lord, I finally got to a point where I said, Lord, your kingdom has to prevail here on earth. And Lord, if this is the avenue, if this is the route that you're taking me through, then I'm game. And then yesterday night, I could not sleep. I was wrestling so bad in my sleep. My knee began to lock up. And then while I was sleeping, I can feel like my flesh began to try to get up out of bed. My, you know, the soul trying to get up, but my spirit's telling me to stay asleep. And so I felt myself actually getting up. And I said, Lord, whatever the enemy is trying to do, I'm not going to give in, but I'm going to continue to declare the works of the Lord. So in the next few months, it's about to be a crazy journey. Um, I can't go into details. Um, I, I can't go into details, but um, just pray for me because God is opening up crazy doors for me and um, and um, I said Lord if it meant for me to give up everything that I have to do my next assignment then I'll do that literally everything is about to be gone and all I saw myself was on a plane with a purse and a jacket going to my next assignment. And everything, I'm telling you, is lining up perfectly. It's lining up perfectly. So I just solicit your prayers because the Lord is about to take me on a crazy journey. And I have no idea what it entails. It's like Abraham when he just told him to just leave everything and go. He said, when you get there, then I'll show you. That's some crazy faith. Because I'm a very analytical person. I count the cost. I have spreadsheets, <laughs> times, and everything. Make sure everything is copenstetic. Everything is lined up. And God said, I ain't showing you nothing. I'm just showing you where you need to go. And then when you get there, I'll show you the rest. And I said, okay, let's go. And so it is like coming out of retirement because this year has been really a journey of finding and loving God again and loving his people all over again. Yeah. So this month we've been um, talking about REAP. 
when we're looking at the teachings of Jesus Christ concerning the various topics of reap, we looked at love and blessings and forgiveness and how to treat one another. We looked at financial responsibility. Yesterday, we were supposed to talk about merciful, I believe, but um, he cried his way out of it. So while he was on my shoulder, he was like, oh, I don't want to preach no more. I said, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I ain't going to preach no more. Um, <laughs> so today I'm closing it. And of course, he gives me the hardest topic of them all. It's judgment, condemnation, and pardoning. <laughs> they already think I'm the mean person in the church. And so he gives me this. So, But I have a loving message in this. So, um, our main text is from Luke, chapter 6, verses 37. And it says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will not be pardoned give and it will be given to you they will pour into your lap a good measure pressed down shaken together and runneth over for by your standard of measure it will be measured to you in return so the main text is here in Luke but I'm going to take a synoptic view of it and look at the other gospel of Matthew chapter 7 and look at Matthew's account Um, if you're not familiar with Matthew Matthew focused on uh, the Jews he is known um, as the kingdomologist you see him writing it says uh, Jesus is teaching he said the kingdom of heaven is like this and the kingdom of heaven is like this he gives us the attributes he describes the kingdom to us And he gives us a little bit more of Jesus' teaching. So Jesus is going to work to show his disciples about kingdom living and values, okay? So with the kingdom, there are two aspects of the kingdom. There is the right now, which is called the inaugural kingdom. That's when Jesus came and began to do his teachings. And that's the period that we live in now. We live in the inaugural kingdom. And then the next part of it is the consummation, which is to come. So the um, inaugural is the right now, and the consummation is what is to come. So Jesus knows that the inaugural kingdom will manifest itself in the consummation kingdom. So Jesus is showing us what it looks like in the kingdom of heaven and what it looks like when kingdom values are carried out in the disciples Jesus, he wants to rule and he wants to reign and he wants to have dominion in our lives every day. So the goal for Jesus' teachings in in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is to make disciples and to help disciples move from operating in the flesh to become more spiritual people. He is helping them by addressing their minds and the ways that they're thinking by transforming their minds and the ways of their thinking to his way of thinking. So it was very tough for the disciples to move in that manner. So Galatians 6 and 8 says that whoever sows to please the flesh 
From the flesh will reap destruction, and whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So it is about living in the spirit. And so that was Jesus' plan from the beginning, is to help us to leave this dirty old flesh and begin to walk in the spirit. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1. It says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out your eye and behold the log is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So the Sermon of the Mount is one of the pillars of sermons during Jesus' te teaching and during his ministry. So this, first, this is the first teaching of the disciples where Jesus gives the disciples points on how to live the kingdom life here on earth. So when approaching Jesus' teachings, though, you have to be mindful of his teachings and keep in mind this theological framework. You have to understand that um, you have to uh, consider the culture. You're going to have to consider the historical background. You've got to um, consider his historical audience which is Israel and this in this time is still considered old covenant under the law and so you have to make sure you keep those things in mind because a lot of things that Jesus was teaching does not pertain to us today and so um, you have to keep that in mind so when when you keep this in mind you uh, keep it in mind when you're trying to transfer his principles to your walk as a disciple so um, the last few weeks, the elders, they've done a great job giving us background and teaching and giving us principles and things like that. So what you do is when you look at the teachings in, in the Gospels, Paul expounds on Jesus' teachings in the epistles. So the epistles are written to the church. So that's where we get our instructions from. So I'm going to be going over a lot of scriptures that are located in the epistles. So Jesus comes to the disciples with hard sayings, and it was very hard to swallow. So we must understand that Jesus was bucking up against a system that thwarted the interpretation of the law. So Jesus came on the scene and constantly used the phrase, you have heard it said, but I say it. So Jesus wasn't coming against the law. He was coming against the interpretation of the law. So Jesus is correcting the law. So we have to be mindful of that. So there is nothing wrong with the law. Matter of fact, Paul says that the law is good if used right. So in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, it says, But the goal of our instructions is love from a pure and, and good conscience and sincere faith. For some man strained from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussion, waiting to be, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about what, what they make confident assertions. But we know that the law is good if it's used lawfully. 
So Jesus is making sure that they had a clear interpretation of what the law is saying and also to help them to understand kingdom living. And I'll say it again. It was all about kingdom living. The believers are astonished with Jesus' teachings and what he is saying. And they said to themselves, this is not how we were taught. This is not how we see things. And this is where Jesus hooks the believers and brings them into discipleship to learn more about him. He said, take my yoke and learn of me. So this is the same goal for us. When we hear Jesus' teachings that challenge our belief systems, do we draw closer to God or do we pull back because it feels uncomfortable? So let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1. I'm so extra. I'm charging my own slides. Okay. (laughs) So Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Um, The word... It says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. The word judge in Greek is krino, and it refers to making a determination of right or wrong, innocent or guilt. So to properly separate and distinguish. So many use this verse to to attempt to silence their critics. You can't tell me what to do. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. And I've seen so many tattoos of people putting only God can judge me on your neck. But I'm judging your judgments. And now (laughs) I got that from Lindsay. (laughs) I'm judging your judgments. (laughs) And that ain't a good one. No. So when you look at that, though, the first three words, it sounds like um, it sounds like that you're not supposed to judge one another. Um, however, there is much more to that passage than those three words. So you must read a little further to understand why Jesus made this point in the first place. What is forbidden is the censorous judging temper. The way you judge somebody is what God doesn't like. Eager to find faults in somebody and condemn men for them, suspicious of their motives and what they're doing. We always see those who are all, we we call them holier than thou and doing all this stuff and shouting and jumping and all of a sudden when they have a fall, we ready to throw it in their face rather than helping them to understand that God still loves them. You'd rather call on the phone and say, did you see such and such? I see she caught up in that triangle again, but instead of praying for them. So that's what God doesn't like when it comes to judgment. So the Bible commands that we not judge others. The Bible commands that we not judge others doesn't mean that we can't show discernment, though. Immediately after Jesus says, do not judge, he says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs and a little later in the same sermon he said watch out for false prophets by their fruit you recognize them so how are we supposed to discern who are the dogs and the pigs and the false prophets unless we have the ability to judgment to make a judgment on their calls and doctrines and deeds so Jesus is giving us permission to tell right from wrong he is allowing us to judge in that manner. And your standard for measure, measuring discernment is the word of God. It has nothing to do with your feelings. We are so quick to say, oh, there's something wrong about them. I just don't feel good about what they're doing and all that stuff. But your feelings can change from day to day. But the word of God never changes because his truth endures through all generations. So let's look back at Matthew 7 and 2. It says, for the way you judge you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured unto you. 
So the key words in this verse is standard of measure. What is your standard of measure is the question you must ask when you're analyzing one's activities. The standard in what you are looking for in a fellow disciple is obedience to Jesus Christ. But we cannot measure their activities if we do not know the word of God. If you judge without knowing the word of God to help correct them, then you are doing more harm than good. It is better for you to say, not to say anything at all. Human judgments and standards cannot stand against God's standards. So if we judge and it's in the manner of how, so we can judge, but it's in the manner of how you judge. You judge in edification. We are called to edify one another according to 1 Thessalonians 5. You cannot edify if you don't know the truth. So if I'm caught in a transgression or a sin and you have a word from scripture that can help me, then you can give it to me and edify me. In Galatians, it says that brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself that you too would not be tempted. That's why Jesus was making a point to train them up in the spirit so they can correct in the spirit. If you're not spiritual, then you must not approach someone to correct it. So the only way you can approach someone is that you, if, if, if you are of the spirit and have the knowledge of what the word is saying about the action if you're correcting and for if you know what the what God has to say about it you yourself won't be tempted to do the same but if you do not know what the word is saying it is better for you not to say anything at all so you won't fall for the same trick and scheme of the enemy You cannot edify me if you do not know the truth. So let me give you a working definition of measure. In Greek, the word for measure is metron. It's the controlling basis in which something is determined as acceptable or unacceptable, preeminently rooting to the Lord himself as being, as his being is the only ultimate measure of truth So when you understand God and when you begin to understand his word, you begin to understand the metron, the standard of measure. Then you're able to understand the sphere of power, influence, and success because we're using the word of God as our standard. So everything you do is filtered through your standard of measure, which should be the word of God then you have to ask yourself, who or what is your final authority? Because if your standard of measure is what my pastor says or what my mom says or what I've been brought up on and all the history that and all the past that I've been through, then you are limiting your power and measure. Hence, you are limiting your power to influence and to help others. So if we have a word of encouragement or edification as disciples, we have an obligation to give it. Going back to Galatians chapter 6, verses 2, it says, oh, I thought someone clicked on it. It says, bear one another burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ for anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, deceives himself. But each one who must examine his own work, and then he will have a reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not 
in, and not in regard to other. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. This he will also reap for the one who sows to his flesh will be from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in good doing. For in due time we will reap if we, if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are the household of faith. Reaping is not just about getting stuff. As disciples of Christ, our job is to protect the unity of the household of faith. Jesus' goal was to bring unity amongst the believers and unity with believers and the Father through his teachings. So it is about how we treat one another. In John 13, verses 34 to 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, and if you have love for one another, not by anything else, but by the love we exhibit towards one another. Kingdom living is measurable through our transformed life. This is the measure that the world will use to see the difference between the church and the world. But we are supposed to be one with Christ. Lately, I was talking to a friend on Friday, and we were talking about how the, the state of the church uh, the heart of the church is being exposed right now. We're talking about the, the issue with the hug in the courtroom and how we can't get over slavery and I don't see them hugging me, blah, blah, blah. And then we're talking about why Kanye can't be saved and, and Lamar Odom, I think that's his name, can't be saved and all this stuff. And we're so quick. I was so surprised. I was... I, I was so surprised of how much judgment that was being said amongst those who claim to be Christian. But I said, that's right, they're Christians. And that's what Christians do. If you, if you study the history of Christianity, then you realize that they were the most hated people, the most um, murderous people in history. And that's why you see a division between those who are really disciples of Christ and those who call themselves just Christians. And it's really sad to see because that's not the Lord tearing one another down. And it shows that our hearts aren't right. And if God can accept our raggedy selves before the foundations of the world, then surely he could select... He he can accept these celebrities, and he already did that before the foundations of the world. So who are we to judge? So through Jesus' priestly prayer, in John chapter 17, verse 24, y'all know I got a lot of scriptures. Scriptures. The glory which you have given me 
I have given to them. This is actually the Lord's Prayer. Okay, we've been taught that Matthew 6 was the Lord's Prayer. That's a model prayer. But this is actually the Lord's Prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus is praying to God. He said, he's at my end of my journey. And this is my prayer to you. He said, the glory which you have given to me, I have given to them. That they may be one. Just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundations of the world. So it is the word of God that transforms us continually from flesh to spirit. So if we have the word that the Father has given to the Son inside of us, then we, if we do not have the word that the Father has given the Son inside of us, then we do not have transformation power. And we cannot help others to transform as well. So our standard of measure will be limited because you do not have the mind of God to deal with certain circumstances. You can't judge right if you do not have the word of God. So we must not be conformed to this world, but by the renewing of your mind, getting God's mind on the situation or on the matter. So what I've noticed, I'm so guilty of this. What I've noticed is that those who have words of encouragement and edification are afraid to say anything because they're afraid of the person's reaction to it. Or use the excuse, that's none of my business. And I'm good for that. Keeping your mouth shut is not edifying. Even if you don't know that they're caught in a sin, but in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says the appearance of sin. Abstain from the appearance of it but sometimes you don't know but you don't sometimes you don't know but what they're doing has an appearance of sin so Paul instructs us he tells us to take this position of being wrong and approach them in love so this is how you're supposed to approach them you said you say sister I might be wrong but it looks like you're caught in x y and z and I want to pray with you. That's taking a humble stance instead of saying, I know what you're doing is wrong and I know it and you need to pray. The altar is open 24-7. No, you can't come <laughs> be delivered over and over again. You can't come in that manner. And because you decided to approach them in love, God will allow them to receive it in love. So as a disciple, we have a mandate to strengthen and edify other disciples in the word. All true love looks for the best in people. Your motivation to correct says a lot. And if we approach people out of hate and vengeance, it is not acceptable to God. When you do that, you grieve the Holy Spirit. When you approach someone in that manner, this is called disunity, and Satan is at work between us.
His desire is to break up the people and cause a lot of fights and little petty arguments with one another because that means you're not one with each other. That means you surely ain't one with God. And so I've, I, I've accomplished my plan of keeping you away from God. That's the, that's the plan of the enemy. It's to thwart, it's to change how you look at God because you still believe that you can come to God in any way, but you still have this alt against your brother. So love covers a multitude of sins. In that, it does not gossip about sin. Rather than share the offense of our brothers and sisters in Christ with anyone who will listen, we must exercise discretion and restraint. See my educated words? Discretion and restraint. And restraint. Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 17 instructs us on the appropriate way to confront those in sin. James chapter 5 verse 19 says, My brethren... If any one of you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. It is loving to speak truth to others regarding their sin. 1 Corinthians 13 and 6 tells us that love does not delight in evil, but rejoice in truth. So that means you need to delete your texts. You need to delete your text. <laughs> delete them chains. You, you done got with your friends. That's always talking about somebody. And I'm, I'm guilty. Because I'll text, I won't, I won't say who I'll text, but I'll text, and I'll just text palm trees. <laughs> that means I got some shade for you. But, <laughs> y'all pray for me, y'all pray. Uh, there's no more of that. <laughs> so, right, yeah, pray for me. So, um, and <laughs> I lost my spot. So, we have to make sure that in everything we do and everything we say reflects Jesus Christ because he's looking to us to be an example in the world. So Jesus' teachings are hard for the flesh to understand. This is why Jesus made it a point to raise up disciples in the spirit. It is important to submit yourself to discipleship, to be under teaching that can help you interact with and edify one another. So among one another, stop looking at other people's faults. That is not becoming of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Why are we so concerned about what they're doing? First, you need to take the log out of your own eye. So we have an inclination to look to others. You know, when, when pastor preaching, he be, may be talking about somebody, he be like, yeah, I know exactly who that is. No, first. Examine yourself and take the log out of your own eye. Paul teaches those who are mature 
True love hides a multitude of faults. You are not always looking for people's shortcomings. Harsh, unforgiving judgment is wrong. We are always to be gentle towards everyone according to Titus 3 and 2. It is the merciful who will be shown mercy. And as Jesus warned, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. So if you judge somebody in hate, guess what? When you do wrong, you're going to receive the same thing in return. What about love? What about forgiveness? No, remember the sister you just dogged out a few months ago? I mean, slander in the mud, put statuses about her and started a feed about her and everything on Facebook. That's what we do. Oh, in Twitter. But he said, in the same way you judge, you will be judged and it will be given back to you. So self-righteous judgment is wrong. We are called to humility and God opposes the proud. The Pharisee in Jesus' parable of the uh, Pharisee and the tax collector um, was confident in his own righteousness and from that proud position judged the publican. However, God, God saw his heart and he refused to forgive the Pharisee's sin because he was trying to judge in the wrong manner. So people don't, people who have not come to a surrender or a commitment to Jesus Christ will trouble you. And those who, those are the ones who are always cut off, cut up, caught up in drama. You can always tell those who don't pray. You can always tell those who don't call on Jesus. Always got something, some drama in their life going on. So don't concern yourself with those who are not about the kingdom of God. That's why I live on a hill in Norwood. No one comes bothering me with, with junk because I don't want to hear it. And you must position yourself when things come your way, no matter how juicy it may sound. You have to push it away because you have to decide that you are about the kingdom of God. So we must value the kingdom and know how to be transformed by the kingdom with, his, with the values and right living of the kingdom. So relationship is important with one another. At the end of the day, this is where the rubber hits the road. So John 13 sums it up. And this is where all things regarding the kingdom lies. Not how faithful we are as a church and how charitable we are with those outside the church but being obedient to his word. John 14, if you ever want to know about what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit, you read John chapter 14 and 15. And it says in, in, in scripture, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. My father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciple. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. So believers are warned against judging others 
unfairly and unrighteously, but God commends the right judgment. So we are to be discerning. We are to preach the whole counsel of God, including the Bible's teaching on sin. We are to gently confront erring brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to practice church discipline, and we are to speak the love in truth. That is what the Lord instructs when it comes to judge. So if you decide to judge one another, make sure you know scripture and you come with them in love. And you don't have to make a scene and let someone know, girl, I had to correct them. Mm -mm. For the God is not pleased and he's grieved with that. So we have to make sure that at the end of the day, it's about unity in Christ. Because the enemy wants to break us up and want us to find fault and hate and have hatred towards one another. So God, we bless you. You could stand. God, we bless you and we honor you for this word, oh God. And so right now, I ask the people of God just to begin to pray. Because there are some things in your life that you may, you may have judged one another harshly. And you may have an alt between your brother right now, and y'all are not on speaking terms. So right now, God, I ask you to pull out of them the things that you need for them to say to one another, to mend the pain and mend the hatred that we have towards one another because we judged wrongly. So right now, begin to pray to your God if, if you ever judge wrong or put a status up, a dis-status. God, our goal is to be kingdom citizens, kingdom ambassadors. And we cannot represent the kingdom if we don't know the ways of the kingdom. Because if we try to go out in the world and claim to be a kingdom ambassador, but we live in a little ratchetly, then who are we really representing? So God, right now, God, I ask you to clean us up, God, from all impurities and all wickedness in our heart, God, even wickedness that we don't even know about, oh God, but that's hiding behind something, oh God. So God, if we have an alt to our, towards our brother, oh God, Give us the maturity. Give us the maturity to go to them. You may have not talked to your mother in a long time. You may not have talked to your father in a long time. You may not have talked to your siblings or whoever it may be for a long time. But God said it's time to mend it. It's time to break it. Charles, you said something in the room. I walked in and you were talking about glass ceilings. And I've only heard the tail end of it. But um, I looked it up when I was sitting down because I thought it was very interesting. And I saw the idiom of glass ceilings. And it, it means anger. When you have anger or wrath and you're trying to hit it or something like that. And so God... We're coming against ceilings that have been placed over our lives. Anger that has been stored up for years. 
having an alt towards your brethren for years. So right now, God, in the spirit, God, we are praying, God, that you will shatter that glass ceiling. And when it falls, the, sh the shards of glass won't fall on us, God, because you are a protector. And we won't be hurt when we're approaching someone if we approach them in love, that we will receive love back. So the shards of glass that will be shattered won't come down on us and hurt us, God. So God, we lift you up, God, because you are the God who mends broken hearts, oh God. God, you called us to be judges, oh God. And when we get to heaven, God, in 1 Corinthians says that we will be judge of angels. So it's all about our rewards in heaven. Only those with high rewards will be able to judge on this world while we are at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, God. So right now, God, clean us up, God, and allow us, God, to everything we do and say, God, will be a reward in heaven, oh God. God, no one preaches about rewards no more. It is about rewards in heaven. Everything you do and say, you must do it in the glory for the glory of God because if you do that that's a reward in heaven so God I want to be able to store rewards so I want to be able to love people right I want to be able to judge right I want to be able to forgive right oh God I'm not here on earth to try to store up treasures on earth but I'm trying to store up treasures in heaven for when I get to heaven, I have my 19-room mansion, God. I have my crown with diamonds and jewels, oh God. So when I stand, against, stand in front of the seat of judgment of Jesus Christ, and when he analyzes my works, it won't be burned up. He says some of us are doing works that is considered hay, wood, and stubble. But you need to start doing works that matters so right now God throw our wheels away a mature disciple throws their wheel away so right now God allow us to understand that it's not about us it has nothing to do with us but it's all about kingdom advancement. It's all about spreading your gospel amongst the world, oh God. No matter if they're a man or a woman, they are, they have the unction, they, are be, they have been called to preach the gospel. And the gospel is the power when you preach it is the power of God unto salvation. So therefore, anybody, man or woman, is able to preach. So don't allow anybody to tell you because you're a woman that you're not able to preach. If God has called me to preach to the nations and bring unsaved, then I can do that. So God, right now, I ignite those, God, who are called to preach your gospel. They're not doing it so they can have a fancy website and business cards. But they're doing this because the kingdom of God is at hand. 
there's a work that needs to be done here on earth, oh God. And God, if you need to use me to do it, God, use me right now, God. God, I do not take the glory. I do not take the credit, God, for where and what you have done in our lives. God, bless these people of God. Bless them, God. We come against the spirit of fear. We come against the spirit of you will never amount to anything. We come against the spirit when you were younger that you didn't, you were a mistake and they didn't have a desire to even have you here on earth. But God has a desire for you to be here on earth. And he wrote your story before the foundations of the world. And so God, I pray for that man and that woman, God, that they will continue to represent you here on earth. For if we have the kingdom agenda in mind, then everything else will be added unto us. We don't have to come to you, God, asking for money. We don't have to come to you, God, asking for a house and car. Because if my attention is for the kingdom, then everything else will be added unto me. My resources that I need to do ministry will be added unto me. As long as I keep my focus on you, God, I don't have to worry about going in a foreign territory because you have me protected because it's added unto me, oh God. So God, allow us to be stewards of what we are given, oh God. You've given us the resources, God, but we are raggedy when it comes to uh, dealing with our finances, God. We're raggedy when it comes to balancing our books, oh God. Help us, oh God. If the world is look, if the world is looking to us as an example, then why are we so broke? Help us, God. Because you're calling disciples. And there's no point for us to be in the welfare line if you've given everything that if you have everything that pertains to life and godliness in your hand, then why are we begging God? No more begging. No more looking for handouts. It's not a blessing. It's a showmanship of your lack of stewardship. Stop praying about God pay my rent. He's su- you're supposed to pay your rent. God, I was short this money. He gave you the money. What you do with it? We want the nations, but we can't handle a neighborhood. We want the nations, but we can't even handle our street. These people of God, you are calling them for great things and there is no reason why they are in the position that they are in. There is no reason why 
we are so comfortable living in last year's blessings where the Lord has more blessings ready and waiting for you. So God, right now we repent. Because 2020 is when God is about to do something radical. Everybody talking about 2020, hindsight vision and perfect vision. We don't even see what God is doing now. So what makes you think that all of a sudden when January 1 rolls around, you got perfect sight about what God is doing. God is trying to do something right now. Right now. So God, whatever it is you have for me, God, I will receive it with great joy. And God, I want for you to trust me. It ain't all about me trusting you. It's about, it's about you trusting me with it. If I give you this, will you be able to do what it is I'm calling for you to do? So no matter how great or small it is, it says he's the what, master of it all. So God, use me, God. It doesn't have to be on a national stage. It could be right here in the Revival Center. God, use me, God, to help build up one another, God, and to love them, God, and not to hate and judge one another, God. And I know if I keep these precepts and concepts in my heart, everything else will be added. If I keep your will on my lips, if I keep my word on your lips, on my lips, God, and everything else will be added unto me, God. Everything else will be added, God. If I love my brothers and sisters, everything else will be added, God. God, if you tell me to go left and I go left, everything else will be added, God. God, I look to you from whence cometh my help. If I keep my eyes on you, everything else will be added, God. God, you are a God that never lies. You don't have plans to lie, and you will never lie, God. It's just us actually walking in your truth. So, God, we thank you, God, that your word will stand from generations to generations. And all I have to do is walk the path that you have already designed for me to walk, oh God. I don't have to make ministry happen for myself. I don't have to make everything happen for myself. I don't have to push myself to get a record deal. As long as I keep my eyes on you, everything else will be added, God. So thank you, God, for your judgment. Thank you, God, for your laws. Thank you, God, for your concepts. Thank you, God, for your precepts God because I am a disciple of Christ God and I'm going to follow you God even if it's to the end of the world it's the edge of the world oh God I will go there God
to exhibit it to others. We want to see your kingdom here. The kingdom is already here. You just got to live it. We want to see your kingdom here. We want to see your kingdom here. We want to see your kingdom here. Already here inside of us. We want to see your kingdom here. 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 So if you need prayer I want you to come down because God is about to really raise up some disciples and really begin to launch them out into the areas that you are called to do so if that's you if you've been stuck you say Lord I don't know what my gifting is I don't know where I'm supposed to be I'm more than a singer I'm more than a musician I have gifts inside of me God and I just need someone just to come into agreement with me. For the kingdom of God is within our people, God. And we want to see your kingdom here. We want to see your kingdom here. Some of us need to stop running from God just submit I tried running and God clipped me in my running and I said Lord I will never run away from you again but I'm gonna run towards you we wanna see your kingdom here we wanna see some help on stage. I know I can't sing. We want to see your king. 
word of God is released, people have six seconds we to decide whether or not they want to yield to God. For the enemy will try to snatch up the word inside of them. So pray that someone will be moved right now to do what it is that God is calling for them to do. The Revival Center wants to help grow up people and to launch people. It is not a good thing. It is not something exciting to see when you see people preaching in the same place for 40 years. God, God's not, I don't believe God is in that. You're in the same place for 40 years. But God is calling up those to keep moving and keep progressing in God. I don't want to be a youth director for 40 years. I don't want to be behind the soundboard for 40 years. That's not a, that's not an excitement. That's an indictment to your stagnation in him. So if you are more than what you are, you know it in your spirit that you are more than what in the position that you are in now. Come up, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. We want to see your kingdom here. Down inside of us, God. We want to see your kingdom here. Thank you, God. more than your bad decision you are more than your parents bad decision for you have a plan and purpose on your life and we want to see it here manifested on earth from that keyboard. Jesus. We want to see your kingdom here. We want to see your kingdom Something's here. moving. Something's shaking. Feels like heaven. We want to see your kingdom here. Something's moving. Something's shaking. Feels like heaven. Something's moving. Something's shaking, feels like heaven. Feels like heaven on earth. We wanna see your kingdom Feels like heaven. We wanna see your 
something's moving, something's shaking. We want to see your kingdom. Something's moving, something's shaking. Feels like heaven. Something's moving, something's shaking. called us to carry out your will oh God here on earth for we are supposed to perpetuate the kingdom here on earth something's moving something's shaking feels like heaven something's moving something's shaking feels like heaven Hallelujah. We want I want to see my brothers and sisters grow up in Christ. I want to see that. I want to see them prevail. I want to see them win. I will no longer hurt one another with my words. We want to see Speak words of edification. We wanna see Whatever it is they're called to do, I'm gonna be there to support them. I'm not gonna dog them because they decide to step out. Because I'm still sitting back every day. What it is God has called me to do. So I applaud those who are doing what it is that God is calling for. 
Give them a new infilling of your spirit right now, God. God, give us a new infilling of your spirit, God. For every day we need to be asking for an infilling of your Holy Spirit, God. Give us the strength, the might, and the desire to do your will, God. We cancel out the assignment of depression. In the name of Jesus, we cancel out the assignment of I can't do this anymore. In the name of Jesus, oh God, we cancel out the assignment of feeling lonely, God. In the name of Jesus, God, we cancel out the assignment, oh God, that the enemy could keep pushing them down and moving them down and keep pushing them down and moving them down, God. But we pray in God that they will advance in you because we want to see your that will try to discourage them after leaving the service. For any time we gain, gain territory in the spirit, God, the enemy desires to take it away from us. So we come against demonic encroachment, oh God, on the land that we have conquered in the spirit, from the, the path that we have conquered in the spirit. In the name of Jesus, discredit what have been taking place right now tonight oh God God I stand as an intercessor I stand between and among them oh God 
that they may be able to withstand the darts of the enemy, God. So right now, God, as we leave this place, God, that the enemy will not try, that the enemy will not think about it. So God, cover us right now, God. Put your hedge of protection around us, oh God, so the enemy cannot penetrate it, God. And so, God, I believe that somebody here has really dedicated their lives to be a disciple of Christ, that they will continue to do what it is, God, you're calling for them to do. So, God, I pray, God, that you ignite the fire that is down inside of them, oh God, that the enemy tried to blow out, oh God. But, God, we pray that the Holy Spirit will ignite the fire ignite that drive in them that they need God to do what it is that you're calling for them to do oh God God we're not riding on emotions we're riding on your precepts we're riding on your promises oh God we're riding on our dedication to you God we're riding oh God a new way of living God we're riding oh God a new way of praying oh God my prayers will no longer be prayers of beggars but God, you're giving me prayers, God, for kingdom advancement, oh God. Give me the strategy that I need, oh God, to do what it is you're calling for me to do. And if I need to call on my brother and sister for help, God, that they're able to and willing to do it, oh God, with me. For this is not a competition. God, it is, God, that we are supposed to work as a body, God. So God, help us. Help us, God. Help us. Help us, God. And we dedicate our lives to you. And we bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' mighty name.